have a Bible, would you open up to 1 Chronicles chapter 12? 1 Chronicles chapter 12. You might need to uh, go to that index if, it, if it's not uh, wedged open to this passage. I, for, for me, I literally have like a crease in my Bible here just because this, uh, the passage I'm going to read for you has uh, had significance, especially in these days. And uh, so to look there with me, this is 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32. It's speaking of different roles, groups of people that are in Israel, and it's talking about the sons of Issachar. Verse 32, of the sons of Issachar, these were men who understood the times. Would you repeat after me? Understood the times. And with knowledge of what Israel should do. That phrase there is such a powerful phrase. You understand the times and you know what to do. It's one thing to interpret the moment that you're living in. It's another thing to have wisdom and know what action is required to move you forward according to God's plan. There's a lot of people who have commentary on what's taking place in the world. Show me the person with the solution. Then I know God's with them. A commentary, a commentary on the world, a commentary on, you know, behold, great darkness will cover the world. A deep darkness, it's people. That's commentary. How dark is it outside? I don't know. How dark is it? Right? It's like the punchline of a joke. How dark is it outside? How much ignorance exists in the world right now? Darkness is ignorance. Darkness isn't this steeped evil that's coming to get you. No, it's the absence of light. There is a substance that can fill darkness. But darkness itself, ignorance itself, that's not evil. In the ignorance, thank you so much. Oh, both, yeah. This is Rachel. Thank you so much, Rachel. She, she may have just spared you guys at least 20 minutes of preaching right there. <laughs> Cup of coffee. It's going to go faster. It's great. <laughs> Ignorance is not evil. Because someone doesn't know something, it doesn't mean that there's a demon lurking there. People make decisions that are ignorant, and the results can be pain, but that doesn't make them evil. Evil has an intention behind it. Naivety, you just don't know that you don't know, it actually can lead to the same results. You can fall in the same hole that someone who is evil intended just by you not knowing and just making choices based off of your ignorance, and you fall in a hole. Okay, there it is, pain. That doesn't mean that there was a demon behind it pushing you into the hole. Are you alive? Okay. Darkness covering the nations, the peoples, in ignorance, steeped in the world. In other words, a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding, a lack of connection with what God is trying to do, is doing, has done. There's just 
disconnect. Evil fills in the blanks. It fills in the ignorance with intent. This is in the gap of lack of understanding of who our Father in heaven is. This is where demons fill in the lies to people. And people begin to make intended decisions that cause pain. It was in the vacuum of ignorance, but the ignorance itself isn't the issue. Are you alive? Okay, you got it. Darkness covering the world, a deep darkness the people. In other words, wow, they're making decisions that just is not connected to heaven's reality. And then there are pockets of people whom the Lord begins to reveal himself to. And as God reveals himself to people, the ignorance begins to go away. They begin to make decisions based on who God is. Light starts to fill their countenance. They're making informed decisions. And when informed decisions meet ignorance, often there is a clash. It's a cultural clash. Because people are communal. People are connected. People walk together. This is like how we were created. You're not created to walk alone, to be alone. That lone tree standing out in the field will get blown over. If you saw the news recently, it's a 400-year-old oak tree in Kentucky. Been there since before the Revolutionary War. Protected from development in the urban sense, you know. But they cut down all the trees around it. Windstorm comes, knocks that sucker over, all right? Like standing alone, not an option for you. You shouldn't. You're supposed to be together. Humanity keeps binding together. We make community. We make culture as we relate with one another. But if your culture has not had illumination to your father, then all of the stuff that we've been building and connecting and making innovation in and all that stuff is disconnected from ultimate purpose. And so when ultimate purpose begins to show itself, it requires adjustment. You remember when you met Jesus? How he like, he loves you. Right? He washed you clean. But... I have sincere doubt that he left you alone and said, oh, I forgive you, but you're good. Here are, I, it's amazing. You're the only person that's ever done everything else right. You just needed to get <laughs> baptized. That's all you needed. You're good. Otherwise, you know, your whole life aligned with heaven's purposes. I can't believe it. It's amazing. It's not how he responded to you, is it? Nope. He came into your life and he was like, hey, let's talk about this. And he began to show you his ways. He didn't condemn you. He saved you. But he begins to show you his ways and you realize those are way better than how I was living. Like, wow, I don't have to experience this much torment and pain in my life. I could just choose your ways and things work. The sons of Issachar were seeing and perceiving the season that they were in culturally. 
and they were recognizing what God was wanting from his people. They were recognizing it, and not only did they give commentary for, whoa, hey, look at culture, how whacked it is, how off it is, how ignorant it is. I can see how ignorant it is, but God's assignment is for us to disciple the nations. Repeat after me. Jesus said to disciple the nations. That assignment means that you teach people groups how to live in alignment with God's purposes. Not teach them about religion, not teach them about, listen, Jesus loves you, he saves you, that's a part of the deal, but that's not the whole deal. The good news that you can be saved is transformative. But the assignment was that we transform the cultures of the world. Not change them in terms of condemn, alter the way that they do things. That's not the problem. The problem is that it's not connected to God's purpose. And so we have this assignment to come alongside people and help them understand, get connected to the revelation of who the Father is. And as they do that, their lives come into alignment with heaven. Y'all, I just saved you right there. Five minutes of laying a foundational idea. If you'll let that one sink in, this is a presuppositional idea. It means it's the idea you put in place before you start making decisions. If you put this one in place, you will live your life apostolically. You will live your life with great conviction and power. You will have purpose the rest of your days. That simple. Put this one in place. You are called to help your neighbors, not just not go to hell, but to have better lives. You're called to come alongside that business you work for and help them get aligned with heaven's purpose. That's not standing on a desk and preaching at people. That'll get you fired. Nope. That is doing your job so excellently that people begin to wonder, how did you do that? That's taking advantage of the reality of the Holy Spirit in your life. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophetic words, understanding the seasons and times, and you just go, ooh, this is what God's doing. I should make that decision, and it works. God blesses it. There's favor on it. And the people around you who are still scratching their heads wondering what in the world you're doing suddenly are wanting to be taught by you. Show me how you did that. Can you see the difference? Convicting the world of sin, that's the Holy Spirit's job. You should stop telling people that they're just wrong. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Oh, suddenly I'm coming to the light. Oh, thank you. No, that's commentary on darkness. And you're not called to make commentary on darkness. You're called to know what to do. Interpret the season. Yeah, it's dark out there. Duh. In Minnesota, you might get snow. 
Was that helpful? No, it didn't tell you what to do. Buy wool socks. There's a word of wisdom. Get yourself a few wool sweaters. You'll be amazed at how nice winter can be. <laughs> All right. Jokes aside, of the sons of Issachar, they were men who understood the times. And with this knowledge, they knew what Israel should do. They knew what their people, their nation should do. The house, our church, has had a school of ministry in past seasons. We brought that to a close right before 2020. Really felt clearly from the Lord we were supposed to bring that to a close. The purpose of that school was to train people how to think like Joseph or Daniel. That was the overt purpose of the school. To raise up modern Josephs and Daniels. These are characters in the Bible. Raise up modern Josephs or Daniels, people with prophetic perspective who can stand in the court of kings of the world and help guide people to walk in God's purposes. We had a whole school on it. And since then, since we've shut that down, there's been so many awesome and wonderful things that the students have gone and done. But I was recently, I was considering, I was thinking about this like, okay, we don't have the, that formal school anymore, but the assignment hasn't changed. This is still the assignment of this house to raise up a company of prophets, to raise up a people who think like prophets. You might be wired differently. You might be gifted differently. That might not be your official role. But in the context of the house church, my job is to help you disciple the nations. Because that's the assignment Jesus gave us. Teach the world how to do life according to heaven's purpose. I'm going to say something controversial, which... Probably doesn't feel like news. <laughs> There's a lot of sound bites that come out of this church. <laughs> the controversial statement is this, okay? Jesus saved the world, and salvation has been made available, and it requires faith, okay? Every person responsible to make that choice for themselves, accountable. In the preaching of the good news, People groups require preparation. There are cultures whom you preach that word, leave everything you've ever known, leave your entire existence, your identity, leave all of it, and receive Jesus and be ostracized from your people, lose absolutely everything, blah, 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 and we go down the line. And then as Westerners, we scratch our heads wondering why the gospel's not advancing in those cultures. Because that wasn't the assignment. That wasn't the assignment. Convict them and save them. No, that wasn't the assignment. The assignment was come into their culture and help them understand divine purpose so that when Jesus can be presented, they're already walking in his direction. Salvation is a part of it, but the reality is we're meant to preach the good news of the kingdom the rule of heaven over the earth 
man's accountability to the heaven, to our Father's rule. Do me a favor. Translate that into how you relate with your neighbor tomorrow. He's going or she's going through a divorce and their family is blowing up. And you live next door. What's the assignment? Bueller, Bueller. What's the assignment? Is the assignment receive Jesus, repent of your sins, or hey, um, would you guys come over for dinner? Like you just need a reprieve. Like we love you. And we really don't want to see your family blow up. Like, come over for dinner. Like, let's, we will provide a shelter for your storm right now. And they're going to see with their eyes how family life can be productive, helpful, and healthy. And they will begin to learn the ways of kingdom family by seeing it. And they will be discipled into how to do heavenly-oriented family. All right, come on. Like, if you can't get excited for this, man, then you, whoo, you're in the wrong church, y'all, because this is the assignment. And my job is not just to give you commentary on the world. I enjoy doing that. I try to help you gain perspective. I do. I try to. But my job is, and then knowing what to stink and do. Word of wisdom. Wisdom. We need wisdom. Jesus give us wisdom. Not just revelation of the Christ, but wisdom in the knowledge of the Christ. Heaven is ruled with perfect harmony. No issues in heaven. Perfect harmony. Father's will gets done. It's pretty awesome. Earth was created and given into man's hands to steward. So Adam and Eve have a God, the Lord. And the Lord, governing heaven, has created a garden, an enclosure, that's in perfect alignment with heaven. It was heaven on earth. Adam and Eve are told, grow this garden until it covers the earth. Have lots and lots of kids. Teach them how to do this. Expand the garden. It's a good world but it's heaven on earth inside the garden. So expand the garden until the earth is in perfect alignment with heaven. Seems simple. Enter the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Eve sees the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Lucifer tempts her saying, if you eat that, you'll become your own God. You'll become just like God. You'll be able to govern how all of this goes according to your will. You won't need him anymore. That's the temptation. 
She looks at the tree and looks at the fruit and sees that it is good to make one wise. In other words, you will know what to do. It makes you knowledgeable. Here's the problem. They eat, their eyes are opened, and suddenly they are having to make decisions based on what they know, which will affect everything. And Adam and Eve gained their knowledge and understanding from the connection with the Father. So that gets hurt, injured. Adam begins to go his own way. You following me? And they, they, they walk out of the garden. They make, start making decisions. And it's like, is it going well? I don't know. Your two sons just murdered each other. Seems like maybe there's something off. The eldest son, Cain, goes and establishes a city. And he names the city the place that God doesn't exist. That's the name of the city. You watch culture head its own direction. Why? Because man was making decisions off of his own self, out of connection. Jesus comes, reestablishes connection, pays for the sin, but leaves us with the assignment. This is the same assignment, y'all. To help the world be in alignment with the purpose of your heavenly Father who loves us, who created us. There's a divine order. Not to control, not to dominate. You don't need to own the company in order to influence it to see kingdom results. You can serve, and the servant becomes the greatest of all. That's how the kingdom works. But what if you worked in that company? Okay, think about this just for a second. I mean, you know, hey, let us reason together this morning. What if you were in a company and you're like, man, they don't treat me good. It's not working. You, you got there. You took the assignment, right? You, you, you said yes to the job because, because you felt like God. Like, oh, this is it. You say yes to it, but then you get there, and it turns out the employees don't know Jesus, and it's like hell working there. It's tough. It's miserable. People try to control you. Micromanaging. The culture stinks. It's really difficult. Ah. Then you're like, oh, God, this is not what I signed up for. And he goes, this is exactly what you signed up for. Why? Because the assignment is not to work for the culture. It is to come in and serve and love and demonstrate alignment with heaven. And when you do that, the people who are dwelling in darkness suddenly see a light. They suddenly see hope. They suddenly see optimistic thinking. Man, you start prophesying in that environment, hey, God can make a difference. You are awesome. And you start showing the gold that's inside of them when they're all looking at you negatively. My goodness, do you know how bright that light becomes? Y'all, if you're the owner of a company and your company's culture isn't good, Man, you, you ought to hire one of the ex-THSM students to come alongside you because you need a Daniel or a Joseph. Because you're, you're off, you're whacked, you're thinking differently, you're needing somebody to come alongside and offer you some help. <laughs> a little plug.
the church is called to manifest the first fruits of what God does in life. He saves you. Your family starts to become life-giving. You have hope and purpose, and it's like fruit. It's the church, Church of Jesus Christ. You know that every time we come together like this, there is the opportunity for this community to demonstrate what it could be like heaven on earth. Right now, in my opinion, it's my opinion. You don't have to agree with it. It's just an opinion. In my opinion, we do this just because, like, these kind of standalone roles and these kinds of things, because the, the, the evolution, the transformation, the equipping of the saints is coming up. There is a point, I really think, in church history, there is coming a point where the manifestation of the maturity of Jesus is in the body, and this becomes relational, not authority-driven. Because we become, and we bear fruit, and now every one of you is out in culture helping the world to become aligned with heaven. Like one, two, three. Okay. We encounter, we experience God for ourselves. He transforms our families, our neighborhoods, the way we do business, the world around us gets touched. But then there comes this point where we're needing to clarify the time and the season. And this is a big one because I already can feel and, and maybe I'm making it up. But if you're over 50 in this room, you were raised in a church culture that interpreted the times and the seasons in a way that left you not wanting to engage in culture. You were taught to leave culture because it's bad and Jesus is coming back. But that's the opposite of what has to happen. Did you see people shifting in their seats just now? Wow. Okay, you ready? <laughs> when we talk about the end times, what are we talking about? We're talking about that. Yeah, thank you, Austin. <laughs> what are we talking about? Are we talking about a time when the church is supposed to step back from culture, not participate, so Jesus can come in and blow it all up? Is that what you're thinking? Because that kind of seems to not be the pattern of what he's done in history. That's, that's not the pattern. So then what time is it? Dark outside, Pastor Jamie. Can't you see it? We must be in the last days. Hmm. It's interesting that you say that. We are in a time when there is a whole bunch of transition happening. The economic transition is upon you, by the way. We've been prophesying it for about 20 years that the wealth in the world is about to be transferred. In the next, and this is upon us now. We're not talking about it 20 years from now. We're talking about the next 10, 5 to 10, maybe 15 years. We're going to see the largest transfer of wealth in human history. Why? Because the current generation possesses and is going to have to pass it off or it's going to go into the ground. It's just going to be lost. So we're in this major transition moment. In our nation, 10 million businesses will transition. 
10 million. The valuation of the transition in the next 10 to 15 years is over $10 trillion. That's the moment you're in. Do you think there's some pressure on the economic system? You think you're gonna see some banks fail? You bet your rear end you're gonna see some banks fail. Welcome to the moment that God created you for. And what are you gonna do about it? It's gonna happen to you, but you could be a Daniel or a Joseph. You know who Joseph was? Joseph was God's answer to helping the world transition economically. That's who he was. He worked for a secular king. He did not work for God. He worked for a secular king. You might argue with me, no, the Lord. Ah, mm -mm. No, Pharaoh was considered God, and Joseph was his scepter. And he didn't complain about the job. He functioned in it. And God used him to save God's people and the world. So it's not just about the church. It's about you standing in between as a living intercessor. But you got to interpret the time you are in, the season you are in, and then you get wisdom. Lord, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to do, God? What are you doing in these days? I can see the crisis, oh, it's dark out there, and there's ignorance on people, and they don't know what to do. It's the perfect setup. The perfect setup. What other crisis is the world facing right now? How about some health crisis? We had that sucker figured out, didn't we? We knew, we, oh, this is just what you do. Like it or not, the world had an answer to the most recent health crisis, and many of us went, mm, not for us. Some of us, no, not a problem. Yeah, okay, whatever. Drink deadly poison, you're good. Unless your faith goes the other way. Oh, that one went over like a lead balloon, didn't it? No, I believe in modern taking care of and the principles of the yogis. Okay, well, good luck with that because you're not in control of your future. <laughs> health crisis, major health crisis. Where's the church? The church was protesting. The church was protesting! Do you know what that means? That means we are not standing in the courts of kings like Daniel and Joseph. We're not seeing our job right. <laughs> what are we doing? I'm not banging on you. I'm really not. Like, y'all, like, you, we are praise Jesus for the moment that we're in. Praise you, Jesus, for the moment we are in. And I am appealing to you. Not someone standing over you. I'm appealing to you. Please wake up. Please understand that God has positioned you so powerfully that the hope of future generations actually is going to be impacted by how you respond to these moments. Health crisis, financial crisis. Do you think there might be some nationalistic war-like crisis is coming? I don't know. We're already like, y'all, 
what can be shaken is being shaken. It's not like because this is the problem. When you interpret the seasons as if God is causing this because he's coming back to judge. How does that empower you to do your assignment? It's bad thinking. It's bad thinking. Let's disconnect that idea and instead let's assume that Jesus came back as Messiah to introduce the cure, to open the way so that the world could come into alignment with heaven. And that we're just 2,000 years into it. And you can see the progression of culture and you're at a moment of great transition between generations, not a moment of judgment, but rather of light breaking out. Hmm. I'm prophesying to you today. It still comes back. Pastor Jamie, what do we do then? Thank you for asking that question. Joseph had a gift, interpreting dreams. He had his own dreams, like every young man does, dreaming about the future, what it's going to be like. You start to imagine, and most people imagine themselves in charge. Come on, you did not imagine yourself working for the man. You imagined yourself telling the man what to do. Same with Joseph. He had a God dream somewhere mixed in there, but he interpreted it as if you are all going to bow down before me. And then his family had a problem with that. So what they do, they sold him into slavery. Oh, well, let's see how this works out for you. Sells him into slavery. He ends up in Potiphar's house, which Potiphar, listen to me, it's a great metaphor for our moment. Potiphar was Pharaoh's banker. And Joseph was influencing Potiphar's household. What does that mean took place in Joseph? Joseph learned how the economy of Egypt worked by managing the household of Egypt's banker. He was the janitor. He was the janitor, and he began to learn. And he grew up in an organization, and he learned some things, and eventually Potiphar saw, wow, God's blessing is on everything you do. I'm going to set you in charge of my stuff. And then his whole household gets blessed. That will happen to you. Because that's what God's favor does. Because when you do things according to God's ways, it works versus all the conflict the world's having. Okay, so in other words, just humble yourself, work really hard, love the Lord, and apply what he teaches you, and you will start experiencing some stuff. Okay, Potiphar sets him in charge. You know the story. Mama Potiphar comes around, right, and she's like, whoa, right, and she tries to seduce him, and he will have nothing to do with it, and he runs away. And in that confrontation of accusation and the mix of whatever, you could, as a person who, ah, God, I was doing everything you asked me to do, and then it went to hell, fell apart. I'm not going to do that again. No, 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 no. No, God's in it. He's with you. Okay? Joseph gets chucked in prison. He's not executed, which tells you Potiphar didn't believe his wife. 
He gets chucked in prison, and there his gift has to reset because now he's going to interpret dreams for other people. He's not trying to interpret his own dream. In other words, he's not the center of the story anymore. See, at the beginning of your life, you think everything's about you, but it's not. <laughs> Sorry. If you're under 40 years old, would you just wave at me just real quick? Just like that. Okay. Yeah. You're in an amazing transition in life. You're about to learn some wonderful lessons. Okay? If you're under 40, okay, and you're approaching that, if you get to 40, it's called a midlife crisis. You don't have to go through the crisis point of this. It's just the point of view change. Because you realize life's not about me, and I don't have enough time to make everybody worship me. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Young people, the quicker you get to this lesson, the better your life will go. Okay? Serve people. Don't try to master them. So Joseph starts using his gift to serve other people around him. His two prison mates have dreams. Joseph interprets them. And suddenly he finds himself getting the opportunity to use his gift for Pharaoh himself. And Pharaoh is being told, the Lord is revealing the misalignment with Egypt. Egypt is all about astrological alignment, by the way. All their big monuments aligned with the heavens. They had a culture that was trying to pay attention to that. Joseph steps in and goes, hey, you're out of alignment. Let me demonstrate through the gift. And God using him like the sons of Issachar, understood the times and knew what to do. It's a word of wisdom. And this is what the Lord wants to do with your life. He wants to give you wisdom so that you know what to do. And it will be guided by your connection to the Father. He interprets the dream. Pharaoh goes, like, it's like he's waking up. Ugh! Shocked, light, boom, oh my goodness. Looks at his advisors, what are we supposed to do? And the advisors go, I wasn't thinking this way before. I have no idea. But Joseph's been thinking like this his whole life. He's been thinking about how to manage grain. He just had an experience where he was the janitor for the banker and he learned the systems and he understood God has been with you your whole journey, your whole journey. He wants you to use everything you've learned to help others come into alignment with heaven. Not to control them, not to dominate them, to serve them. Pharaoh looks around and he goes, what would you do, Joseph? Tell us. Oh, easy. I'd start to save. I'd start to invest. I'd start to blah, blah, blah. Diversify your income. Sounds like beautiful information. He implements the plan for seven years. Do you understand how much faith and tension there must have been? Because there's no sign of bad times coming. But Joseph's been building an ark to save the world. There are things that God has spoken to you in your quiet times and you've been quietly kind of assembling them and working on them and 
Do you know that those quiet times with the Lord, it could have been in the background for seven years, no manifestation, and suddenly everything that God's been talking to you about for years pops out, and you're like, oh my goodness, what he's been doing inside of me is actually the answer for what the world's facing right now. Y'all, that's what he's been doing. He's been building solutions inside of you the whole time, the whole time. Joseph goes, hey, save for seven years, and we'll have it, divided it out, we'll sell it back, blah, 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 and Pharaoh becomes the ruler of the world, the whole world, other nations come. It wasn't just God's people. You need to hear this today. It wasn't just God's people. God used it to bless God's people, but it wasn't about just God's people. Jesus didn't come to save the church. He came to redeem the world. And here's the ultimate argument, and I'm going to leave it in question form. I'm not going to answer it for you. So then, if your job is to help them learn how to function under heaven, does it require church time? Do you need the world to come to church? Nope, because you're in the world and your job is to disciple them. When you're discipling them, I'm challenging you today. When you're discipling your company, I'm challenging you. I double dog dare you. <laughs> Triple dog dare you. Don't use church language at all. Take the principles of wisdom that God's teaching you, translate them into the world's language, and just implement it. And bring alignment to your companies, your families, your neighborhoods, without telling them, oh, by the way, I'm secretly discipling you into the way of Jesus. <laughs> no, don't do that. Just love them and help their lives to go better and watch what Jesus does, because in the midst of that, he'll reveal himself. Be a sanctifying presence to them. Love them. Have mercy on them. Prophesy to them. Love them. Just do that. Try it without church language. We're so used to preaching at people that we don't know how to disciple people. And your company doesn't need you to stand up with the Bible. They need you to teach them what to do. You alive? All right. I got to drop it there. You're good. Come on. Stand to your feet. There's more. There's lots of Bible verses. There's it's like two more pages of notes. It's fine. No, that's enough. You guys did great. Did you pat somebody on the back and say, you did awesome this morning. All right. Not to pat myself on the back, but would you guys just all just look back at the clock right there? I landed before. I'm working on it. I'm trying. Jesus, help me. Je Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> I really think that God is smart enough to actually know how he positioned your life. 
I really think. Now, if you're feeling like way out of whack, you're out of alignment, and this is part of this process. This is called repentance. Just begin to change your mind, and the Lord will lead you into it. He'll, he'll show you. He'll tell you. He's not, he's revealing himself. So if you don't know what to do, if your life feels like, whoa, I am in left field, and God's calling me back to home base. Awesome. Like the father, the prodigal son and the father, as soon as the son turns his face back towards home, the father's running to meet him. That's exactly what's happening today. Allow your heart to do it. It's a really easy prayer. Lord, I, I, I've been doing my own thing. And Father, it's scary to, to let go of control. But Father, I want to come home. I want my life to be in alignment with you. Holy Father. Just pray this with me. Put a hand on your own heart. Just, just pray this with me. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to take care of the consequences of sin. That I might spend my life pursuing your ways without fear. Holy Spirit of God, go ahead, pray it. Holy Spirit, teach me, guide me. When I'm out of whack, Lord, convict me. But I'm going to trust you. the words that just feel so feeble coming out of my mouth. Lord, would you take them? Would you use them? Help, Lord. Help people. God, we let go. We let go of our control. Or you let go of religious dominion. We let go of all these things, God. We turn our face to you. We trust you. We go, oh, Lord, you've been with us. You've been teaching me and guiding me. It's been hard, but you've been with me. Equipping my hands to do purpose, and I'm here and I present myself. Lord, use me. Use me like Joseph. 
Maybe you really are the solution to what your company is about to face and God's been doing it inside of you. Maybe you really are the solution. God did it in your marriage and your neighborhood needs you, y'all. Their neighborhood needs you. They need you. Just open up and start to help people. You don't have to preach at them. Just start to help them and watch as God reveals himself. Holy Spirit of God, empower us today. I pray, Father, for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit in your fire today. I pray, Father, for a fresh baptism of the Spirit in your fire today. That your holy fire would fall upon this people. Your holy empowerment would fall upon this people. Fill them, Lord, like a mighty rushing river. Anoint their minds, their hearts to know what to do. Give them heavenly perspective, God. Unlock their ability to see. Thank you, Father. Lord, I decree this today over your people. A mighty people. A prophetic people. Empowered, empowered, empowered to be an ambassador on behalf of heaven. Lord, I bless them today. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May his favor rest on you. May he be gracious to you and grant you peace. And if you dared, I do say dare, double dog dare. If you dare to agree, you should declare with me today, amen. Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord?